Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 Life and Closet family. It is time once again to come out of those closets, make your bold moves, and be who you're meant to be in the world. And as you know, we talk about lots of different closet stories today, and I'm going to talk about something today with a friend of mine that I met just a couple of months ago, something that makes us all feel a little bit scared, and we don't like to talk about this shit in front of anybody, but we're going to come out of the closet about money. I know that sucks, doesn't it? Well, it doesn't have to suck. I mean, I think for most of us, when we have it, it's really great. And then when we hit those block walls because the tire went flat or, oh my God, I forgot to pay that bill. Suddenly money, money, money takes over. And I've got a friend of mine. Her name is Jill Schlesinger. That name might sound familiar to some of you because yes, she is Jill on money. She is seen on CBS News and all over the place. She kind of just like hops around and you know lets herself go wherever she wants to go. I'd say whore herself <laughs> out, but that's not really what she does. But um, I met her a few months ago when we both spoke at World Domination Summit. And I knew from the moment I watched her speak on stage that I thought, Here's the life uncloseted guest I want to have on because I think she could help us all unlock our money issues. So now I'm putting a whole lot of weight on her shoulders to like solve everybody's money problems. But um, hey, welcome, <laughs> to the, welcome to the podcast, Jill. I'm so excited to have you back and well, back just be with you again, even though it's virtual and all that sort of stuff. I am so delighted to be with you. And uh, I, I really, I, I know that we like kind of bonded yeah. We had like one of those moments. We had a moment where it was essentially, I looked at you, you looked at me, you came off the stage mm -hmm. and we were like, I have to know you. And you yep. said, I have to know you. And so uh, I think we, we speak from very similar places about yeah. different topics, but essentially Absolutely. like no baloney, right. here's the story, own your story and use it to help you get to the next place. Yeah. And why wouldn't you do that? That's what I, I mean. I know because I, you saw my talk. I didn't own my story for a long time, but then once I did, the amazing thing was I began to own all my story, not just my coming out story. I started to own my like, okay, I don't like what I'm doing for work story. And I don't like how I'm showing up in the world as a physical being story. But I think that you see this in the money world all the time that people don't want to own their money stories. Yes. And you know, it's funny. I, um, I, I wrote a book and it was just published this year. And yeah. uh, I wrote, by the way, the world did not need another personal finance book, except that I never felt like there was a book written to just kind of take people off the hook for their money Michigas. For those of you who don't know what Michigas is, it's sort of like your craziness. Right. And I, so I have a weird career. My career was I started as a trader on Wall Street. I then became a certified financial planner and a money manager. And yep. now I'm in this whole media thing. And right. through all of those iterations, what was really interesting was that I found that no one liked to talk about 
just how emotional we are about making our money decisions. Mm -hmm. So my pitch in writing this book is simply that we know tons of people, maybe you are one of these people, smart people who are great at what they do, who mess up their money stuff. And so the name of the book is The Dumb Things Smart People Do With Their Money, 13 Ways to Right Your Financial Wrongs. Mm -hmm. And in writing this book, I just essentially took every single one of the stories that have been told to me either by former clients, by radio listeners and podcast listeners, and try to incorporate them and, and really kind of suss out which were the biggest mistakes that people were making. And I, I found this to be sort of a cleansing experience, a coming mm -hmm. out of the closet experience yeah. for so many reasons and partially for myself because, yeah. hey, guess what? I myself have made some really dumb financial decisions mm -hmm. and I wanted to be able to talk about it and own it and be able to say it's okay. The whole point here is we just don't want to do it again. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, and it's interesting that you brought up the, this dumb money decision, because as you were talking about that, one of the things that kept me in the closet was my dumb money decisions. I was so far in debt before I came out of the closet and I'm like, OK, I can't do this because the way it would probably play out is I would end up probably having to take on most of the debt, even though it was joint debt. You know, you never know in a divorce how things are going to go. And so this crossed my mind several times. Like, okay, I got all this debt on credit card, house and cars. I don't consider that really debt. To me, that's like, that's just life functioning stuff you got to do. Right, right. But the credit I, card stuff, I was like, oh my God. And then when I started paying it off, which was so interesting, it was about a year and a half prior to me coming out. I said, okay, I'm going to take control of this situation because my wife wasn't. And I had to play the badass. And I said, <laughs> this is what we're going to do. We are going to get out of debt. And I'm so glad I did because that was probably, ironically, anybody who's listening to this has never heard this. That is probably the first step that I took out of the closet. Was, mm. Let's get the money shit together so that when the other money shit starts to hit, <laughs> I don't have mm. that on top of all this other stuff to try to manage. You know, it's an interesting thing that you say because I think that when we have these, we tell ourselves these stories about our lives yep. and those lives can be about, you know, who do I love? Who am I attracted to? How much, what kind of lifestyle I am trying to create for myself, for my family? And is it real? And yep. is it authentic? And I think that it doesn't surprise me. Look, we know that pretty much all couples, if you look at what people fight about, we know that money is a big fighting topic. Yep. And I think the real reason is, and I found this out when I was researching the book, I, I would, I talked to this guy who calls himself, you ready for this? A wealth psychologist, fascinating guy. Mm -hmm. So he was a psychologist, but he really was focusing research on, you know, why is it that money becomes like the repository for so much of our so many crises. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, part of the issue is that money is concrete. So it becomes uh, the sort of the punching bag for a right. lot of other things in your life. Like I can have a fight with you about money because I can't say to you, I'm so mad at myself that I married the wrong person. So I'm right. going to now criticize you yep. because you bought a fancy suit or a fancy yep. pair of shoes. And I just feel like if we could maybe peel back some of the shame around money 
-hmm. and really acknowledge that, you know, yes, there is a real number crunching aspect to our financial lives, but Mm -hmm. that's the easy part. The hard part, that's the emotions. Absolutely. And I know the emotions for me and my now ex-wife came down to when we finally got to a place after the divorce where, you know, because we have two kids. So it wasn't like there wasn't going to be any interaction. But when we got to a place where we could really talk, I was actually able to say to her, you know, it wasn't just the gay thing. There were so many reasons we should have never been together and we were not aligned on how we handle money. That, I, I'll tell you something. I, um, I interviewed a woman who you would just adore. Uh, her name is Belinda Luscombe, and she's written a book called Marriageology. She works at Time. Mm. And uh, she wrote this book, and it, it's really sort of like a similar take on relationships about, yeah. you know, that there are certain aspects to relationships that you can almost quantify and figure out how to be better at them, small things, research. And she said to me, one of the things that she thinks is critical is that we need to be talking more about money early on before we get together to find out whether we kind of sync up in terms of how we view money because Mm -hmm. money really does become something that you say hey you know what this is this is how i am uh creating almost a value system do i want to i'm a person who lives for today i'm a more of a spendthrift i'm i'm partnered with a saver. Well, you know what? Neither of you are going to change. So Mm. I want to tell you that right here and now, one of the big issues that I think people need to face up to is you're unlikely to change your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife um, into something he or she is not. And the faster you realize that, the better off you'll be. Yep. And that goes with all aspects of the relationship. It's, it's money, it's sex, it's, you know, do they leave the toilet lit up or down? Do they like to clean the house once a week? Or are they like, as long as it's tidy, I really don't care if it's clean. You know, it's all these different things that sometimes we don't ask those questions. And then here we are a year, two years, whatever it may be into a relationship. And we're like, I never knew that about you. Well, I think, yeah, that is fantastic. And it's funny you should say that. I always, one of the things that I always joke about with my girlfriend, who I've been together for 17 years with my girlfriend. And uh, before we got on the air, you asked whether we were married. I said, no, she's still testing me out. Right. And I, I, I don't think we've ever had a money fight in 17 years. Never. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, we've had fights about like, you know, other things because every couple has fights. But that's the one thing we have never, ever thought about. Mm-hmm. And um, with my ex-husband, I think we did fight about money a little bit because he was sort of the kid who grew up middle class. I grew up with money, but right. I was much more conservative. He would say to me, oh, you know, you could spend so much more on rent in your apartment. You know, you're a trader on Wall Street. And I was like, mind your own business. It's my right. money. I'm saving it. Right. And that's so interesting when you have those kind of conversations, because what you begin to see, which you do in all relationships, what I find fascinating about the money piece is you really start to see the familial blueprint they come from. And it can be really fascinating because I grew up very much, I wouldn't call us poor, but on the lower end of middle class. And there were times where, yes, we were very, you know, we did dip into the poor space. And so I've always been kind of a somewhat conservative, but I will spend money when it like makes sense to me. 
but I'm not like hoard, hoard, hoard. Whereas my ex-wife, her parents were very spendthrifty, but they would blow money on certain times of the year on certain things like the holidays and stuff. And then they go back to this really like spendthrift sort of thing. And it, and I could see how it was this roller coaster for her. And so that roller coaster came into our relationship. So when it was birthdays or when it was holidays or whatever, once we had kids, it's like we had to do these huge hormone, you know, just things that were crazy. I'm like, but we don't need to do this. Mm. Who are we doing this for? Mm. And I realized that her blueprint was very dominant in that space. And even to this day, and part of the reasons that we aren't together, other than, you know, I like guys and she's not one, um, was very much around that that blueprint put a big, big wedge in our relationship around money. And I think people don't get that often enough. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I think you make a great point, which is, and I, and I really try to discuss this in some depth in, in my book that you don't realize that so much of like who you are at the core of your personality, your value system and and your money habits comes from that family of origin. Mm-hmm. And that to me is re- can make you a much more compassionate partner and you can help if you the, the one way that i have seen couples really move beyond that sort of some of their disputes is to simply point out like hey you know what in my family my father withheld everything from me and i can't bear the idea that that's how i would treat my own kids And so I now have gone to the other end of the extreme and now I am indulging my own kids and by the way, crippling them emotionally because all they did never learn how to stand on their own two feet. So when you start to do that, when you start to say, it's the same way of saying like, you know, um, when you yell like that, it reminds me of my father who was a maniac and he yelled. And so I just shut Mm -hmm. down. And so mm-hmm. like, it's un- revealing some of these things to one another can really, and, and to yourself, really help. It's, it's a very difficult thing to navigate some of these issues without having some introspection and compassion and for yourself, for your partner. It just, it's so incredibly important. And I also think along that journey, <laughs> is to realize even though you're never going to change them, you need to leave room for they are going to change in certain ways as they move through the stages of life. My viewpoint of money is so much different now than what it was. I'm 56 than what it was at 36 when I came out of the closet. So let me ask you a question. What was, what's the change? Um, I feel freer in my relationship with it where I don't feel like, oh, my God, we're going to run out. I don't have those fears because that was very much tied to. So here we go. We're going into therapy now. Um, It was very much tied to my fear of I can't do this because everybody's going to hate me if I come out. So everything that was tied to money is if I blow this money, everybody's going to hate me. And when I started to realize this really wasn't the relationship I wanted to have with money. I wanted to have a good relationship with money. I wanted to be free and I wanted this not to be like, oh my God, we can't do this. And then I roll it back to my map of origin. And that's what I was basically raised on is we only have this much and it's going to go away. And if it goes away, everybody's going to think we're bad and we're not good people and da 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 da. 
And it's interesting because on my mom's side of the family, my grandfather was very good with money. And he was an old Colorado farmer, lived on his farm for 40 some odd years. And he was so good with his money and it paid off in humongous ways. Like Mm. on anybody's wildest dreams, I'm a beneficiary of it. My kids are beneficiaries of it. And he, in his own way, taught me about just stay the course. Mm-hmm. and have a beautiful understanding with your money. And when I first started this business and I started using some of the money that I got through as inheritance, the old money habits started coming up. You shouldn't be using this because if you use this, it's all going to be gone. And then what are you going to do? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. But yet what he had said to me was, I want you to use this for the rainy days when you most need it. And when I embrace that, like my rainy day is happening right now, I'm trying to build a business and there isn't going to be any way I can go build this business unless I say, I'm going to use some of this money to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I made that switch, Jill, the stress, the peace of mind diminished greatly. I'm not going to say it went completely away because there's that little voice that's like, yes, but if you weren't using this money, it would all be sitting in the bank. And mm-hmm. you, that, you know, it's kind of ridiculous, these stories that we tell, but I think this is the point of what we're talking about here is your money story is as big as any other story that you create in your mind. Right. And, and it, it can really lead you astray Absolutely. with, um, with, with your, your, even your career, like as you found out with your career choices, with mm-hmm. your, you know, your choice in mate, your choice in career. You know, my own story is sort of interesting in that my dad was a trader on the floor of the American Stock Exchange. My godfather was a trader on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. So, you know, really when people think it's very sexy or anything, I was like, well, it's a family business. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like, didn't seem sexy to me. And it certainly didn't. I'm about your age, just a little bit younger. And it wasn't like a sexy thing when I was growing up in the seventies, when right. people said, what does your daddy do? And I would say, he's a floor trader. They thought he was like a l- linoleum salesman, right. <laughs> you know? And so it wasn't, it, wall street, it wasn't a thing really yeah. by, you know, at that point. And right. what, so I just, you know, I did these jobs. I worked for my dad. I worked for my godfather. Those were my summer jobs. I got out of college and I, I was also a collegiate athlete. So like the idea mm-hmm. of trading was very, very consistent with kind of an athletic mindset. Uh, yep. You know, you work really hard, you prep, you play the game, you win, you lose, you move on. And uh, so I had always believed, and this was the story I told myself, and I think my dad also did, that I would work down on, you know, maybe not come out of college and work for my father, but eventually either work for my father, work for my uncle, and, uh, you know, kind of build on that and, and that I would make a bunch of money. And that was great. And three, four, five years later, my dad was in my apartment one day and he's looking at, you know, it's very easy to tell the score. You get these sheets every single day, a PNL, it's called a profit and loss right, right. sheet. And they run them off every day. You see how much money you made one day to the next. And my dad was in my apartment, my little studio apartment that my ex-husband wanted me to upgrade, but I didn't. Right. And, um, and he said, oh my God, you had such a great July. And I sort of said, oh yeah, it was good. And he put the papers down. He said to me, honey, I want to be clear. If you're not excited about the kind of month you just had, you should really be thinking about whether or not you want to do this long term because this is a great job. And he was very clear about it. He goes, you know, my father worked in corporate America. I never saw him. He traveled all over the place. His life was not his own. 
-hmm. I chose this field because I knew that I could get out of work early and come to your soccer games and go to your sister's tennis matches and be around. And while all those other idiots were slaving away for the man, that I could have this great job where I could make plenty of money, but not, not actually have to toil. Yeah. And I really had to, en- and you have to enjoy the good times because there are going to be plenty of bad times. Mm-hmm. And he said, let me be clear that you're not, you know, finding a cure for cancer. You're not even helping a company go public. You're a middleman right. making money on the in-between. Yep. And if that's not something that you feel good about, you should really reconsider. And I was blown away because first of all, the story I told myself, again, I have to make X amount of dollars a year. I have to go into dad's business. I have to do this. And in that one, it was such a gift that he gave me. By the way, we'll go into therapy some other time about why there are many uh, things that he did not give me that (laughs) weren't so great. But uh, in in fact, what I can tell you is that that moment was the moment where I said, maybe this isn't what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And it, it like blew up my whole concept of who I was. Yeah. And it allowed me to just move into some in, in a different way. And, and, and I didn't have to make as much money as, you know, as I like to say, all the idiots I grew up with who went to right. Wall Street and are gazillionaires. It didn't it was not satisfying to me. And that was a great lesson. Well, it is a great lesson. And it's interesting to look back. So my dad was a contractor and he built homes. He started out as a as a, you know, just a, a young labor guy working for other contractors grew through the business, ended up having his own business and tortured me and my brother working in his business for him all through grade school, high school, all that stuff. And I never will forget the couple of moments in my own business where I thought you were doing the same freaking thing your dad did, Rick. This is stupid. And two of those moments were number one, when I caught myself going, yeah, this is what I charge to have you, you know, for you to have me as your coach. And then immediately saying, but you know what? I could do it for this. My dad uh-huh. used to do this all the freaking time and it would drive me nuts. You know, we're sitting here going, barely going to make it with food on the table. And then I'm finding out that he's like, well, I feel bad because there was this whole having to be accepted and being liked and all this sort of stuff. So hmm, no wonder I have those same traits, right? Uh-huh. And then the second time that I really caught myself in that space, so we had the whole not charging enough. And I remember sitting here about four years ago, and well, not specifically here because I'm in a different house now, but sitting there on a weekend, on a Sunday, and I'm working. And I thought, wait, the kids are in the house. My husband's here. They're all playing in the pool. And I'm working on Sunday and I used to get so freaking angry at my dad that we would get one day off because we were seventh day Adventists. So, you know, like, like the Jewish people, our Sabbath was Saturday. So we'd take the Sabbath off. Right. And it was right back to it. Right. And I mm-hmm. remember that suddenly hitting me on that Sunday going, Rick, you used to get so angry at your dad for working every Sunday and making you guys go out and work every Sunday. And here you're doing this and you're missing time with your kids. You're missing time with your husband. And those were two of the biggest life lessons that it came full circle and slapped me right back upside the head. And I bowed and I still do a little bit of work on Sundays, but it's only like, it's not like I have to, it's like, mm-hmm. we're just hanging out and we're not doing much. And how he's like, I'm just going to kick back. I don't feel like doing anything. Fine. Then I'll stroll up here if I feel like I have something I want to do. But those lessons 
were so valuable to me and they impacted my money story too, because behind both those lessons was a money story. If I'm not working, I'm not making money. And oh, well, you know, to get people to really like me to get more business, I'm going to have to discount my rates again, which actually wasn't the best thing to do at all. It was like, here's what I charge. And this is what I know I'm worth. And the more you own your worth and the more you know what you're worth in your money story is a whole nother piece that I know Jill and I could go down that path real deep. Like owning what you're worth is a whole nother thing that people don't often do. So, um, so I'm curious for you, Jill, and this is kind of one of those typical, you know, interview questions, so to speak. Do it. um, Do it. What does money mean to you? Uh, It's very easy. Money means freedom to me. Mm -hmm. And it's opportunity. So when I was a money manager, um, I I, I worked my ass off. Um, I I knew that what I was really trying to do for me, myself personally, was put myself in a situation where I could always choose to do something that was maybe not in the straight line. And, um, and, And I will tell you that for me, having money means... Um, a certain opportunity that I can just go for that when CBS news called me more than 10 years ago and I had just sold my company and not for like, Oh, I never have to work money, but just, you know, I had sold it and got out um, that I could say I have enough money in the bank that if I, if this is just a complete disaster, it won't hurt me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that that's, for me, what it means, it means opportunity, it means freedom, it means having what I believe is control over my life. So that if, yeah, uh, it's a funny thing, like I love CBS, it's like one of the greatest places in the world. And when my agent says to me like, oh, so-and-so wants to talk to you, like your contract's up, I won't even entertain it. Because I'm like, well, more money is not what I want. It's not the money for me. It's like right. I work in a great place with great people who I respect so much. Mm-hmm. It is um, – so it's really been um, – that's, I think, a gift really from my parents actually because yeah. both my mom and dad who did, you know probably could have had more money and they made some different choices um, were m- very much content with we have a great life. We have control. We have a great family and we are not mm-hmm. feeling like slaves to our jobs. That's awesome. And I, I wish more people, and this is like, we're going on a little bit of a different tangent here, but I wish more people when they go, okay, I want a new job. Great. Why is the reason behind that? Well, I want yeah. more money. Great. What will that more money actually do for you? What are all the facets of the more money? Are you willing to put in more hours? Are you willing to travel more? Are you willing to put up with more bullshit? What is the more money going to get you? Or is that really Mm -hmm. what you want? Instead Mm -hmm. of approaching the job hunt from the more money, which there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. I want to make that clear. That's a good thing to do too. If it's in the right space in my book, but um, think about what is it you really want behind the more money statement? And I love Mm -hmm. that you said freedom, opportunity, and control, because when I got laid off in 2006, and that was the second layoff in like six years, because I'm just, you know, I'm not employable, so to speak. um, I knew then I was done. I was done building other people's businesses. I was done being at the top and then going, you know what, Rick, you're a great guy, but you know, we're, you're the one person we know that, you know, can go out there and you can do something. Well, that second time I heard those words, I'm like, yes, the do something is I'm never working for anybody else ever again. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's easy. By no means has this been easy. It has not been a cakewalk every day. It's not a cakewalk in some way, 
shape or form. But because I got clear in my own head about, okay, what is it I want? And very similar to you, Jill, it's, I wanted freedom, number one. And it came at the right time Mm -hmm. because my kids were just getting to the place where they were in elementary school. My youngest one was just getting ready to start kindergarten and stuff. And I thought, okay, this isn't such a bad thing as it could be because now I can Mm -hmm. be more of the parent who like does a lot of stuff not that I ever was like all over the place and not able to do stuff, but I'm like, this could actually kind of work out. And then I began to design my life around my money and my Uh money take because Uh I realized I wanted to be home. I wanted to have the freedom to pick kids up. I wanted to have the freedom to like take off on a moment's illness and go, we're going on a trip. You know, now of course my husband works (laughs) full time right now, so we can't do as much of that, but yeah, it's what I need for me. And I would encourage anybody who struggles with money issues to start to think from this perspective that Jill and I have been talking about, what does money mean to you? Mm -hmm. If it does mean it pays the bills, that's great. But how can you move yourself from it's just that to something else? Because when you can start to move it beyond this to the something else, you're going to find you can have a better relationship with money. Right. Right. And I think that that's a great, uh, I mean, what, what you're saying essentially about understanding your motivation to yeah. make changes, to do different things. It's funny. I was just uh, asked to write an article about, you know, what to consider for a career switcher. And it's really mm-hmm. the, it's the core issue. Are you really just asking for more money or is there something you else you get? I mean, one of the big issues that I think people don't understand is that you go out and you look for um, a new opportunity. Now, maybe you just don't like what you're doing and you want to make an entirely different career change, but are you really going to upset the apple cart? Something that you really, it's a place you really like just because of money. And I had a really good friend who did this. And I mean, the money was huge. He was really offered a lot of money to jump ship. And he went, he, he just took it. He never went back to the original employer and gave the employer a chance to match. Mm-hmm. And he just said, oh, they're never going to make this. I'll never make this much money anywhere else. Right. He jumps ship. He works with, I mean, these are big banks, so they're not filled with the most empathic, wonderful people, I have to right, say. Right. But he he ends up going to work for a place that's in complete disarray, three different CEOs. So yes, he does make twice what he was making for exactly 14 months until he's laid off. Wow. And, you know, I think had he really gone back to his employer and say, look, I just got this amazing offer. I know it's unlikely that, that you're going to match it, but what can you help me? How, how, do, how do you think I should manage this process? What do you think I can right. do? Because I, I don't want to, you know, stiff me, my career, mm-hmm. my family, but I do, I really like what I'm doing here. And I don't want to feel like a jerk for just, you know, being underpaid. And I think they would have probably come back to him and potentially maybe not given him everything, but he probably would have gotten a healthy raise. But I think that plays into what we've all heard over and over again in life lessons of you never know unless you ask. Mm -hmm. If you don't ask, you're never going to know. And I would rather, and I, I can't remember what my husband and I were watching on TV last night, but there was a a phrase in what we were watching that was similar to that, but it was slightly different. Like, um, if you don't go through the doorway, you don't know what's on the other side. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that most people, if they would be honest with themselves about the stuff around money that holds them back, is they haven't asked the other questions. What's mm. the other stuff I'm going to get? I have a client right now that I'm working with who he, he does, he has to make a decision about a career shift because the company he's working for is going to be shutting the doors, but they have given him plenty of time to like make this decision. Mm. So now he's caught in the quandary of, do I go do something that, you know, brings me alive or do I go back into what I know I know and all this sort of stuff. And he goes, and of course, you know, the money is the thing I really need, but I want my freedom. I said, so mm. what if you design the life? What if the first mm. thing we do is you start to design the life that you want mm. and then find the career that fits that life? He goes, well, mm. what about the money? I said, if you're going to focus on the money, this will always be the thing that you will be stuck around. It will never happen until you go, here's the life I want. And I use myself as an example. I said, the life I want is something where I get up, I throw on a pair of gym shorts, I throw on a t-shirt and 90% of my days are spent wearing clothes exactly like that. I don't mm-hmm. have to get dressed up. I go, even when I'm on stage, you know, I was in jeans and a long sleeve shirt and my bright orange shoes. That's kind of as dressed up as Rick gets most of the time. Mm-hmm. But I designed my life where I have my own coaching practice. I work for another coaching practice. I do my speaking. I do my podcasts. And everything I do is around me having freedom and opportunity to be able to do what I want to do. And let the money come in that helps support that quote mm. work habit. Mm-hmm. That simple. It's yeah. really, truly that simple. So, so one last thing that I think would be interesting to kind of just rush over, not really rush over, but touch on before we wrap it up here is I always get this question in my LGBTQ clients like, well, you know, it's just so different because we're gay or lesbian. The money stuff is so much different. And I always how? go, how? <laughs> And, and Jill and I can comment to this because we have both been married to opposite sex people. And I'm like, folks, it's not different. If you have that problem, it's in your own head. It's yeah. the same. Yeah. Money you know what's funny? Are money, I, problems are money problems. I have got this, like, I laugh when I hear that. And the reason is that when I was a young financial advisor, Mm-hmm. And somebody said to me, what you should do is you should really focus on the L. We just, we just called yeah. it LGBT right. at that right. time. No Q. You should focus on LGBT population. I said, why would I do that? Why would I limit my practice? Yeah. And I would always have gay people come in. I'll tell you the one thing that was a, a bit cumbersome was that doing financial planning and estate planning required yeah. a few extra hoops. Absolutely. But after that, it's all the same. It is the same. It really is. And so I just, I really think that um, don't, it's really, now at this point, I I, I almost laugh at it because I say, you know, today what I would say is it's the same for everyone. You're either married or you're not. And there are certain aspects to your financial planning that will bring that into bear. If it's your second relationship, it's like, hey, you know what? My mom, my dad died five years ago. My mother's dating somebody now. If they were to get married, there would be, which they're not, by the way, uh, (laughs) but they were to get married, uh, there would be a whole bunch of planning issues around that. Mm -hmm. Or if you are, if you were 
uh, had children with a spouse who is, you know, you were in a heterosexual relationship and now you're in a relationship, a same sex partner relationship. Yep. There are issues around your kids and there yep. are legal issues and all of that has to be ironed out. So um, the good news is we're not so different. And the mm -hmm. bad news is you have to take that excuse off your list. <laughs> exactly. You can't use <laughs> that excuse that anymore. No, you yeah, can't. So, exactly. Uh, well, I am so glad that we had this conversation that we got to quote unquote hook up again. I love it. And one more shout out. What's your podcast and what's your book? Okay. So my, first of all, everything you can find me at jillonmoney.com jillonmoney.com awesome. that is my website it has my podcast is jill on money my radio show is jill on money the book is available on my website it's called yep. the dumb things smart people do with their money and i am so grateful that i met you out in portland oregon and yep. i am so uh happy that we were able to finally nail this down with my crazy schedule well, I love it because it is another coming out story. And I think too many people think, oh, these coming out stories, they're just about this. No, everybody's got a coming out story, folks. And those of you who listen all the time, you know that this is one of the things I preach. But money is yet another coming out story, whether you're gay, lesbian, bi, trans, IQ, whatever all the alphabets we have these days. Money is a part of every one of our lives. And if you're in the closet about your relationship with money, you are in the closet and you need to come out to have a wonderful life. So thanks again, Jill, so much for being here. I love you. I can't wait for our paths to cross again. And I love what you contributed to the show today. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, hey, hey Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life on Closet. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about and you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, We'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.